Welcome to the Speakeasy Noir Cast, a podcast discussing film noirs of yesterday and neo noirs of today. Each week, we're going to deliver a discussion of our analysis of classic noir films, and occasionally we'll interview up and coming directors and writers of new neo noir films, all mixed in with our unintelligible banter. Your hosts for the show, Jason D. Morris and Carly Street. But they were both ill in December when yeah. I was, because we were off. I think I came back into work and the other lad was off sick. And he never has time off. Like he's like the Terminator. He just I've never seen him, <laughs> I've never seen him sneeze for fuck's sake. Um, and it's just weird how everybody that had been not for sick in kind of like November, December, when COVID kind came round, didn't it didn't really seem to affect like those people. Yeah. Very odd. Yeah, and I, and that could be it. I don't know, but I've heard other people that have gotten it and have gotten it again. Like we have, yeah, like um, yeah. And for the folks at home that are listening, we're talking about COVID right now, unfortunately. And I had forgot to hit record, so you've missed the past like twenty minutes of us ranting, which may be a good thing. So uh, you don't have to hear about all the depressing shit. So, anyways, we're on to uh, to us discussing how we thought we had it before. It like actually was here because we're special. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, I, I was the same way. I thought that I had it in November or so. And um, we, you know, we, my wife runs a, a childcare and preschool here and we constantly have kids coming out we didn't close during COVID. Like for the first three months, nobody came because they were scared but we were still open. And then, um, gradually people started coming back as, you know, things sort of, they got tired of being at home or being home with their kids or whatever. And, um, I think only like maybe one kid ended up having COVID, but you know, uh, they never ended up coming here. Um, you know, and so nobody ever really got sick, but this year we've got like, I don't know, six kids that have gotten it. In, in the past, like, yeah, in like the past three weeks. Um, and it's insane and because they can't get vaccinated and their oh, parents yes. are just out doing whatever the fuck they want to do and not caring, yeah. Yeah. you know, which sucks. Um, you know, and, and so all these little, little kids are getting sick and I'm just like, man, thankfully that this thing doesn't hit kids as hard as it does older people. You know, we'd have, I mean, it would be really, really crazy scary, but you know, yeah. And we have this one little girl who's gotten it like three times and it's like, mom, like take care of your business. You know, like, do you, right? Like, I don't, I just don't understand the mentality of it. Like I just, I have a suggestion. Don't, yeah. Would you like to hear it? I do. I want to hear it. You've already heard it twice. I have. Feed okay. them some Stilton cheese. Oh my God. Stilton cheese again. Yep. Start yeah, mixing so, it up. Do a little cheese board. Get some grapes, a <laughs> little bit of Stilton, a spinach leaf, you know, yeah. lunch. There you go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Every time I hear Stilton, I think of the little mouse from the cartoon. <laughs> Not eating a mouse, Carly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a different kind of mold. I don't think it's I don't think it's going to work, but you haven't been sick. Everybody you've given it to hasn't gotten sick. Wait, did Street eat it? No, see, this is the thing. Okay, this is the crux of my diagnosis, right? He mm-hmm. refuses to eat Stilton cheese because he's a weirdo, quite frankly. I could chase well, no, him around. Nasty. I could chase him around with a block of Stilton cheese and he would run away. Yeah, I would he too. Has. It's nasty. I, I, it smells I've funny. Done it for, I've done it for fun before. He, I know he can run <laughs> away from it. Um, so I'm just saying, body defenses uh-huh. down. Booster vaccine, bit of penicillin, get some Stilton on the go. Zap it in there. All right. right. Well, I mean, you could be right. I I guess, I mean, we've been, you know, offered hydrochloroquine or whatever it's called. We've been offered uh, bleach and UV lights. (laughs) Why not moldy cheese? Why not moldy cheese? Why not moldy cheese? I mean, they might call me a madman, but I'll tell you what. Madman standing. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, Carly, uh, we got an interesting drink for tonight. Um, this, uh, I, I tried to find something to go along with like the mystery aspect of our, that's, that's another thing that we're doing a little bit different tonight, folks. This isn't a movie that we're going to discuss. We're going to discuss a TV show. Uh, that came out in 2020, and we're going to talk about the pilot episode. Um, and yeah, our Jason didn't send me the bloody rest. <laughs> I'm evil. You can only see the pilot, and that's it. <laughs> um, so tonight's drink is called the the. Okay, <clears throat> I should have sent you this to introduce it because I'm going to fuck it up. All right, the Matatuck, Matatatuck, Mat. Mata, Mata Tuck Mystery you Cocktail. You know that that's a new promo, don't you, that's going on Facebook <laughs> trying to pronounce whatever the hell that is. <laughs> whatever. You should just do a smash cut of all my mispronunciations. I'm getting. Um, when I have time, I tell uh, you what. <laughs> I, I would I would endorse that. I think that might be funny or embarrassing. Well, it'll be embarrassing no matter what. So I don't know what Matatuck is, but apparently there is... I did find another spelling called Matatuck with a D, which there's some sort of mystery out there in the world that I didn't have time to look up. And I think that's what this drink is named after. It's um, like something but, out of a bloody horror film. Yeah, but they do spell it different with, with a bunch of T's in it, so... Uh, anyway, the Matatatuck. No, I did that wrong again. Mat Matatuck Mystery Cocktail. <laughs> they just need to rename it Mystery Cocktail. I, I was going to say that. maybe we should just go with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this uh, has two ounces of coconut rum, two ounces of dark rum, a half cup of cranberry juice. All right. A half cup of a half cup of orange juice, one orange slice halved. I guess is just garnish. Uh, one lime slice halved, as I guess garnish. I don't know. It doesn't say to. Let's see what it says here. All right. 
So this is that that's probably good because it's a rum drink, right? It's gonna be really sweet. Especially with the cranberry juice and the orange juice in there. All right, so yeah, and then it's it's served in ice. So uh the directions are to fill oh interesting, fill two glasses with ice and pour one ounce of each rum and a quarter cup of each fruit juice into the glasses. Stir and garnish each glass with half an orange slice and lime slice. Okay, so this is, the, I guess that, um, maybe I should have read this ahead of time. <laughs> Hold on, are you telling this, me for the this, first time ever that the ice doesn't sound different? Yeah, it's not a shake and it's a stirred. Yeah, so so then this is this recipe uh, is for two glasses for two two people. These are two servings. So if you want to make just one, just cut cut everything in half. All right. Um, <laughs> or just drink oh. it. I mean, you know, it's a party. Or just yeah, just just have a fucking double. Good. <laughs> there we go. And there you go, folks. That's the Matatuck mystery cocktail. <laughs> My only one that says cocktail, or, or do you pr- pronounce the cocktail? We're British, of course we do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I found out recently from my daughter that um, Californians, uh, their um, accents uh, do not pronunciate T's, I guess, well. Um, and so she had me saying a bunch of words that have T's in it, and she's right. It's very strange. Ooh, say a word with T in it. Don't. Don't. <laughs> don't. Don't. <laughs> like don't. Like don't. We don't pronounce the T. It's weird. Like don't tell me that. <laughs> don't. Ah, oh, who's lazy I don't know. now? Who's lazy Wait, now? Okay, so you said we were skipping letters. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Coconut. Like, we don't pronounce the T. Coconut. Like, you know what I'm saying, right? But we don't say coconut. Coconut. <laughs> Nutcase. <laughs> Nutcase. 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 <laughs> you heard of that? Nutcase? <laughs> fruit. Fruit juice. My tongue Fruit doesn't leaf. even like touch to make the tea. It's fruit, fruit, fruit juice. <laughs> fruit juice. He wants some fruit juice. <laughs> fruit juice. <laughs> it's funny. I don't. Oh, I, I never thought about s- it. Is that why you don't say yogurt properly? You, what'd you call it? Yogurt. 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 You say like. Is that Sc- are you Scottish? Yogurt. Not right now. Yogurt. 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 So I'm not pronouncing the t- yogurt. Yogurt. You're saying yogurt. yogurt. Yeah, yogurt. Yog- I'll have a nice Yo- strawberry. Yogurt. Yogurt. Wouldn't that be Y A? Not instead of Y O? It's Y O. Yo. <laughs> Don't do that again. <laughs> yogurt. Yo. In my case, yogurt. <laughs> it's a yogurt. <laughs> it's not an ogre. It's a yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, oh, actually, I do. My wife, wears it. <laughs> My wife wears the pants in the family. She does the ordering. That's how it goes. Okay, just be realistic here. 
thank God for that, otherwise she'd starve. <laughs> she is the man of the house, sadly, for her. I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing for her. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, so she orders. She orders things. I just usually go, oh, I'll have that one right there. And then she'll be like, he'll have the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'd pronunciate it wrong anyway. So you know, <laughs> don't take don't take me to Italian restaurant. There's just too many letters. <laughs> oh, God. All right, folks, there you go. I, I hope you enjoy your Mattatuck mystery cocktail. And uh, stick around for the trailer for uh, our TV show pilot for the night. Should I just, yeah, just TV show pilot. That's such a mouthful. For our episode, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to discuss a TV show pilot episode. <laughs> stick around for the trailer. We'll be back. <laughs> require discretion and finesse. That's the kind of thing you're good at. Wear your good suit. This is my good suit. You're a detective, Mr. Mason. It's a fancy word for a busybody, but yes. It's very easy for you to break the rules, isn't it? And you never accept any help. I'm not I have a look. You stay in the truck. Shut up. We help you, Mr. Baggerly. Members of my church. An unspeakable act has visited upon them. Kidnapping gone way wrong. Worst thing you ever seen. What do you know what I've seen? We do what we don't like when there's a greater good to be served. You more than anyone should know that. The devil put Charlie Dodson in this box. Mr. Mason, it's hard to believe that you're the right person for the job. I'm the only person for this job. All they've got is innuendo and circumstance. We have to go after them! Why are you digging so hard? It's the way I play the game. You want to know things, Mr. Mason. You want to prove things. What comfort has that ever given you? just about out of moves. So what's the move? Hi guys, we are back. That was the trailer for the new television well it's not new now because we're in 2022 and this came out in 2020 but i want to say new because uh you know perry mason originally came out in 1957 
if you can believe it. So we're, what's that, 75 years ago? Whatever that is. Um, and so this new iteration of Perry Mason hits uh, <clears throat> HBO in 2020 in July. Thankfully, oh wait, was it in July that it came out? I can't remember. Sometime in 2020 it came out. This thing had been in development for a really long time. And did you know who was originally supposed to play Perry Mason in this, oh, Carly? I'm sure you I do. do. I do. I do. I do. Oh, okay. I do. Yeah, I figured you would. All right. And why don't you tell everybody at home? It's Robert Downey Jr. Ah, amazing, right? And if you see if you see Robert Downey next to the actor, like they kind of look alike too. Yeah, but um, he ruined Sherlock Holmes, so I'm kind of... I'm kind of happy that perhaps the book got passed. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't necessarily think he ruined Sherlock Holmes per se. Like, I think he did. I think him and Jude Law, I think they both were fine in the movies. I think it was more of they just picked the wrong kind of director. Like that guy's an action movie director. And obviously that's what they want to do. Make a big tentpole kind of spectacle sort of thing. But really, I mean, they could have hired uh, Ryan Wilson. Or what's his name? Ryan. Ryan. Uh, Reynolds. No. Right. No. 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 The director of uh, Knives Out. Right. Uh, oh. Okay. Ryan Johnson. R- yeah, Ryan Johnson. Yeah, they could have got him to do the uh, Sherlock Holmes, and that would have been fantastic. I think. But of course, that was many years before he did Knives Out, and you know he would have had no clout there. But. You know, they wanted that temple action thing. And so I don't know. I think Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law were just fine in it. I thought they were they were okay. But the movie itself I am not a huge fan of because it's like it's like they tried to make Pirates of the Caribbean for Sherlock Holmes and it's just like I don't know. It was just silly to me. The TV yeah. show on the other hand with with uh, uh you better Come say on. his name. You know his name. Come on. <laughs> uh it's say Benedict, it. right? Is yeah, it say your surname. Ben- say it. There's a T. <laughs> say it. <laughs> Wait, there's a Ben. Ben. What did I say? Bennett or ben- Benedict? No, Benedict. Benedict. Cumberbatch. 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 <laughs> Cumber- Cumberbatch. Is it? No, it's Cumberbatch. Batch. Right. Benedict Cumberbatch. Batch. Damn it! Am I saying it right? <laughs> Uh, you lost me at Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Wait, is it? <laughs> it's not <Okay>. Batch. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not Batch. It's. <laughs> <laughs> you say it. <laughs> I can't because I'm laughing. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway, his his Him. Sherlock was amazing. That was great. Him. Oh, Him. I started rewatching that as well. Yeah, it's great. I just uh, wish it, they would make more. I mean, obviously he's a this megastar now, and he's like, "Screw you guys, that's TV," you know. And they had to leave it off on that uh, abominable bride movie. I think was like the last thing they did, and that wasn't really that great. It was okay, but it wasn't it wasn't great. Anyway, <clears throat> anyway, moving on. So. For you guys at home, I'm sure you all know or have at least heard of Perry Mason. Perry Mason originally aired in 1957 and it was one of the most successful uh, legal dramas that ever hit the television. Um, And it was the first um, weekly one hour series um, for television, which I was pretty, you know, 
blown away to hear about that because I figured there's probably there had to have been a lot. I guess they really only made like half hour shows back then. Yeah, because so I've been really watching this- The Fugitive, and I think that's only oh, that might be on for an hour, but that's I think that might be 50s, 60s, late 50s, 60s. I can't remember. Yeah, I think that was around the same time. I, I honestly, I think, I think that might have been a half hour show though. Yeah, um, maybe, and that might have be been honest. why they they made so many episodes because back then, like television shows had like 40, 50 episodes. Like they, it seemed like they really never really had a structure. Like it it ran the entire year almost. Um, so they were always in production, and, and now and then it went to like twenty four episodes or so. You know, I think maybe in like the eighties and then on, and then now over the past ten years. We've been sort of copying the Brits a little bit with like their formatting where they only do you guys normally do like, I don't know, you guys are so sporadic. Like some of your shows are like two episodes. Some of them are four, some of them are six, some of them are eight. It's like, it's so all over the map. Like I, uh, you know, uh, but you make higher quality like stories, like your stories are more contained and like more thought out, I think, than American TV is to where it's just like, what are we going to do on this episode? Oh, you know what? Let's copy that episode from diagnosis murder and just change the names because <laughs> that's pretty yeah. much what they do. <laughs> yeah. We don't yeah. have like filler episodes. I think mm-hmm. that's the difference. We don't have filler episodes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like yours, but then sometimes are... that takes the fun out because you don't have the fun little comedy episode. Mm-hmm. It's either all doom and yeah, gloom I can see that. or nothing. <laughs> right. or it's, it's like well, all you know, serial killing there's no downtime i mean if you're if you're a serial killer surely at some point you're going to celebrate the fact that you've got away with murdering your fifth person right we don't get <laughs> to see celebrate. that yeah we don't get to see that all we get is the cop <laughs> in the pub for about two minutes having a pint but then discovers some more evidence because he, he can't get drunk because there's no fucking time for that we've got to get on we've got to move uh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. We've only got two more episodes. Yeah. We need to figure out he's divorced. Christ almighty, get the ball rolling. <laughs> yeah, you may be right. And we're kind of following suit though. We're we're we've sort of gotten away from the the episode of the week thing and, and turned up most series now are are into like serial uh everything's connected kind of kind of stories, which I think has been leading to that whole bend watch kind of thing. But uh, it, it gets it gets tiring, I think, because there's very little levity like you're talking about. Like there's no room for comedy or, or things like that and a lot of stuff. And so sometimes I got to like just stop watching a show just because it's like it gets too heavy or too dark it's or just too, too much. too intense. You know? yeah. yeah. See, this is what I like so much about the X-Files was as much as people criticize some of them daft episodes, you know, like cop, the, the cops one. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it called X Cops, yeah. Z Cops, whatever Something the hell like that, it's I can't called? Remember. So, yeah. as much as people like criticize that as being a waste of time episode, I really enjoy just going back and going. Do you know what? I really want to watch an episode of the X Files, but I don't want to get tagged into the fucking the cigarette smoking man mythology. Who's, who's been shoved yeah. down the stairs? At what point Alex Cry checks a good or a bad guy, or what his hair looks like? I just want to go and just watch them be silly and like chase Freddy Krueger down the street. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that was the cool thing about the X-Files and having so many episodes of it. Now it went for so many seasons that there's plenty of standalone episodes. And that was sort of like Chris Carter at the time was sort of a master of that sort of juggling mythology with standalone, you know, um, as, as the previously before that, I mean, 
X Files was like 92, 93, something like that. Previously, what we had, we had like MacGyver, you know, where almost every fucking episode is is standalone, which I love MacGyver, but you never were able to really, you know, attach yourself to any sort of like storyline, you know, other than those standalone episodes. So they had like little sort of threads in it, you know, uh, about his dad or grandfather, you know, things like that, but nothing like, like no, no mythology really. Um, and that's the same thing with like Knight Rider or any of those like 80 shows, um, that came out. But now, and then in the nineties with the X-Files things started changing. And now it's just like, everything is that way. Like even comedy shows, it seems that way. Exactly. Like you can't, can you imagine just go, oh, do you know what? I, I used to like 24. Let's watch an episode of 24. Fuck's sake, you've got to get bloody Google up to figure out who's who in this bloody episode. Oh yeah, that's impossible. You can't do that with 24. It's like, (laughs) there's no way. You can't just dive back into 24 casually. I'll just watch a random episode of 24. Right. Yeah. It's just not, but that's why sci-fi is quite good because like stuff like Stargate, you can just jump in and watch a really silly episode that has nothing to do with anything else that's going on. It's just Richard being funny. Right. There you go. And I think that was like, I mean, I, I, he got a lot of flack for that too. Like when they first started that <laughs> series, but he like really sort of took control. I think of, I, I would think the writer's room, because from what I understand, a lot of this stuff ended up being ad-libbed in the, uh, I, I don't know. It just, it, it seems like that would have been a, a crazy, a crazy writer's room to be a part of on that show. But all right. Anyway, getting back to Perry Mason. So Perry Mason, um, you know, was the first one hour series on television, which is amazing. It won a whole bunch of awards. It ran for, I don't know, um, a bazillion years. No, it ran for what? Six, seven, like eight, eight years, maybe something like that. Oh, um, the I first have run. a fun fact. I have a fun fact. Oh, yeah. Hold on. To watch uh-huh. the entire Perry Mason TV show from beginning to end without any breaks, (laughs) it would take Uh approximately 10 days of your life. Oh, that's it? 10 days? I don't think you could stay for 10 days straight. No, but maybe we should all try it, I think. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to need a a lot of Mantec... What is the name of our drink? (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Well, you're around straight away. (laughs) That is interesting. Now, if you were to... um, After this... Uh, show ended in 66. Um, They tried to renew it in 73. In 1973. However, they did not uh, bring Raymond Burr back. I don't know why. I couldn't really find out why. Maybe they were just trying to do something different. Because in my opinion, Raymond Burr is kind of boring. Like he doesn't have a lot of, like his personality is kind of like the lack of person. Like his charm is like the lack of personality. You like better calm me. yourself, Morris. <laughs> like, Otherwise, I don't, my, I don't dislike my nan's going to tell you right off because she loves Raymond Burr. No, yeah, no, I'm not saying I don't like him because I do. Like I like I like watching Perry Mason. I, I have all the old ones. I don't have the '73 revival, but um, I, I like it. But he's not enigmatic. He's not like, you know what I mean? He doesn't, like I said, his charm is in the lack of personality. He's very serious, which makes sense because he's playing a lawyer. Like I get that. He's he's, serious in the courtroom. Sure. But I mean, even like if you look at shows all the time where there's a dancing baby, (laughs) I mean, for Christ's sake. 
<laughs> That's funny. Um, but you know, like, like Matlock or something, he's got a little bit of, he's got personality. You know what I mean? Raymond Burr was very serious. He was very dry. He was very serious. Like there's, there's, there's a few times where he, you know, cracks a smile, but you know, <laughs> like, like, a, like because of, ha ha, I got you. You're going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> So, all right. So there was a 73 revival, which didn't do well. It had a completely different cast. It was poorly received. It only lasted for 15 episodes. Then, which I thought was cool, and I really like this next iteration, uh, in 85, uh, they reinvented the show again um, with the original cast. Uh, and they turned it into, um, television films, which I thought was a great move because I think in the, the eighties, um, really it started in the sixties, I think with like, uh, Columbo and, you know, those, those sorts of shows, there was like this movie of the week sort of thing where Columbo was one of them. There was like four shows that were in rotation. So every week you would get one of these four shows. Um, and that's the reason why there's only a certain number of episodes of Columbo because you only got like one a month kind of thing. Um, and so going into the, the eighties, you know, movie TV movies were becoming big again. Um, and so them doing, you know, Perry Mason as a hour and a half film, I thought that was a great idea and I thought it worked really well. And what I thought was even cooler about this, and I'm probably the only one, but I was also a huge fan of the greatest American hero, which I don't know if you know what that is out there. But no. he was just sort of, he was sort of like a dorky wannabe Superman kind of thing. Um, he wasn't really a superhero, but what happened was like aliens, like an alien ship, like came to earth and was uh, off, you know, I don't know, somehow he got a hold of this like alien suit that gave him these special abilities. Um, and so he, he tried to use it for good. And he's got this cop buddy friend of his, um, Robert uh, Culp who was in a lot of uh, Columbo episodes as well. Uh, anyways, um, helping him out in fighting crimes, so to speak. All right. So anyways, William Catt was the lead actor in that. And William Catt was the son of Barbara Hale, who was uh, what, um, uh, Raymond Burr's uh, like secretary and, and sidekick in, in Perry Mason. And uh, in the 85 revival version uh, of the, television movies um they brought in william cat to play as sort of like the investigator that uh mason would use to send out to find evidence and things like that kind of the same thing as the character in like um uh, matlock or whatever right it, it was it was very similar format to, to matlock um and so i always i thought that was cool because i was a pretty big fan of william cat and i got to meet him like you know several years later and got pictures with him and stuff but um so anyways, I ended up like really liking those, I don't know, 30 some odd films that they made for that. Um, I thought they were, they were pretty cool and fun. And I, I didn't mind the, the longer hour and a half format either, you know, as to where I found the original series to be sort of like, I didn't like dislike them. I, I still like them. They're interesting. Um, but they're kind of a schlog to get through. Like they're just, you know, they're kind of boring. And so I can imagine some people not really latching onto them as well as to where the, the 85 version was a little more, uh, had some more action going on. You got to see other things happening and, um, you know, so they're, they're a little easier to watch on, on the excitement level, I guess. So anyway, I don't know. Did you ever watch the 85 version or no? 
Yeah. My, I told you, my dad loves bloody Raymond Burr and I used to go, she used to babysit me. So every afternoon we ah. had to watch Perry Mason and we had to sit in fucking silence. The entire Did you just time. say Raymond Burr used to babysit you? No. My nan did, but she was obsessed with Raymond Burr. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Right. And John Wayne and Mel Gibson. Don't ask. Oh, so it was either cool. My- when when I went there, it was either we watched True Grit, hmm. Bloody Braveheart, or oh Perry Mason. That was it. <laughs> that was that. And then you just you were quiet the entire time. You was like, from the minute the theme tune came on. You were not allowed to speak. Yeah. I wasn't allowed a glass of juice for an hour and a half. <laughs> That's kind of funny because that was, uh, I don't think anybody in my family was really that way except for my step-grandfather. Um, my my grandmother had remarried and he, he would watch um, uh, Matlock. Like that was his thing. Like when Matlock came on, you sit down, you shut up and you sat there and you watched it. That was like his thing. Um, you know, and that's probably where I sort of like first latched onto like murder mystery type stuff. To, to be fair, I that's, was familiar. that's like me with Lily diagnosis murders yeah. on, bring me a coffee and shut up. A, get out, get out. The right. Room. Yeah, and I think going to watch it. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> and Diagnosis Murder was one of the shows that would come on, but for some reason, like his show was Matlock. Like Diagnosis Murder would come on, it was kind of like, oh, okay, you know, whatever, we'll watch that. But um, Matlock was that, like, you be quiet. Oh, this is my show, you know, and yeah. that's what we would watch, you know. <clears throat> but um, bit like you with Downton Abbey. <laughs> we finished it and we watched the movie too. Oh, you saddos. Yeah. No, it was good. I, I really liked it. And the movie was the movie was good, but it was kind of disappointing because there was like not a whole lot of drama compared to like the show. Did have you watched the whole series or no? No, I d- look, it's absolute rubbish. Maybe. If you want it's to know it's well series, you want to watch Monica the Glad. Right? No. It was written by the same guy who wrote Downton Abbey. He also starred Julian in it. Julian Fellows or whatever? Yeah. Okay. He also starred in it as Kill Willie. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's his name. Kill Willie. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's got Richard Bryce in it. Bloody brilliant. Okay. All right. Well, send me a send me a message with that and I'll, I'll look it up. Because I thought Downton Abbey was pretty damn good. Um, I, also, I don't have a problem with it at all. Another fun fact. Our patch of land is really not that far away from where they filmed. Monica the Glen. You can go to oh, the castle. I, you can oh, go okay. to Glen Bogle. Oh. <laughs> That's cool. That's pretty cool. Street doesn't think mm-hmm. so. I keep threatening to take him and he keeps putting it off. I think this COVID thing's a rude, <laughs> to be honest. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Just so he doesn't have to go. <laughs> yeah, he's, oh, I got COVID again. Sorry, can't go Glen Bogle this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So let's get into what we're supposed to be here doing. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I keep just completely derailing you. Sorry. <laughs> Perry Mason, 2020. <laughs> Perry Mason is an American period drama television series based on the character of the same name created by Earl Stanley Gardner. It premiered on June 21st of 2020 on HBO. The series was developed and written by Roland Jones and Ron Fitzgerald and stars Matthew Reyes instead of Robert Downey Jr., unfortunately. 
because apparently there was scheduling conflicts. Uh, I'm assuming with his Marvel crap. I was going to say Iron, Iron Man, Man, you know. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but he does, for whatever reason, executive produce it. So I'm assuming maybe he had something to do with the development of the series or something like that. Because usually executive producer titles like that are just throwaway titles for whatever reason. Um, <clears throat> uh, the series focuses on an origin story of the famed defense lawyer, Perry Mason. All right. And it takes place in 1932, Los Angeles. Um, and in Los Angeles at the time, they were prospering, but the rest of the U.S. wasn't doing so well because of the Great Depression. Um, and not necessarily everybody in Los Angeles was doing well. Um, and, uh, Perry Mason in this version or this iteration, this, this is sort of like a, um, an origin story. This is kind of before Perry Mason. Yeah. What? You're stepping on my uh, synopsis. Well, I mean, you got to chime in at some point. (laughs) I am now. You're stepping on my synopsis. You said origin story twice. Damn it. Damn me. Damn Damn me for doing your job. (laughs) Before I I go any further, and I might not even go any further at all because her shriek there almost killed me. (laughs) Oh my God, my psychic power is getting better. (laughs) I swear to God, her arm like reached through my microphone and grabbed my throat and said, shut up. Uh, It's a gift. So... We better we better get into the synopsis the in a nutshell synopsis for Carly. That's Where's your cue, Carly. Music? Where's my piano music? All right. I mean, that's not it. Is it? Is this season three no. piano music? This is this is season this is season whatever was loaded into the soundboard. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And now it's time for Carly's super famous in a nutshell synopsis. The origin story of a down and out, reckless PI with a penchant for being punched in the face as he transitions (laughs) to becoming the master criminal defense attorney, Mr. Perry Mason. (laughs) I like that getting punched in the face. He definitely does, does, doesn't he? Yeah, he does a lot. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny too because uh, it reminds me of uh, a little bit of Indiana Jones because he gets punched in the face a lot. I wasn't really expecting that in this show, but uh, yeah, no, that's pretty good. I, I think that uh, I th- I think I I personally wasn't ready for an origin story. I didn't think, well, how is that going to be interesting? But I think it's pretty cool, and it's very. It has such such a close connection to like noir. Uh, in my opinion, like I think the feel of the show, even though it takes place in the early 1930s, I think it has more of a 40s feel to me um, with the style of music that they use, with the locations that they use, all that kind of stuff. It feels way more 40s than it does early 30s to me because, you know, early 30s is more of like the swinger, you know, um, big band kind of era you know, cause we're coming right out of the twenties there, you know, there still should be flappers around and things like that. Um, but I, f- I feel like it, it, it has way more of a noir feel to it. It's so dark um, and gritty. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. and we're, it's set up with a private investigator, you know, all the, and it's very dark stories, um, like down and out, uh, you know, every, everything about it is, is screams noir to me, except for whatever the actual time period is. 
um, that's the only thing that feels just slightly off to me, but that's not a big deal. And I, you know, I wasn't around back then. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's the way everything was then too. Maybe that's how it led into the sort of, uh, uh, you know, arrival of noir. Um, you know, cause it's not like anybody set out to like, Hey, let's make noir movies. Let's turn this into a genre. It's not something like that. It's something that was, that was penned to those films, you know, years later. Um, so who knows, maybe that was just sort of like the natural progression and, you know, you just had to be there or experience it or be a, uh, you know, a history scholar or something. I don't really fucking know, but uh, it, it does, it feels extremely noir to me. Um, and that just from the promo images and, and the trailers and things like that, that really, like, I was really looking forward to the show and I was very disappointed that it was only what, eight episodes. Yeah. Um, eight episodes. Yeah. I, I just, I wanted more and now it's been, Jesus, it's been over a year. Well, you've got uh, seven well episodes more than me, pal, so... <clears throat> You'll have them. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I'm just like... wondering about the bloody baby, so... <laughs> right? <laughs> you need um, to explain to the know... listeners what you did. What did I do? Not send me the rest of Perry Mason. Oh, yeah, okay. So, so Carly couldn't get it out there in the UK, so I had to find a way to get her a copy of it. Um, so I, I sent her the pilot episode and that's what the show was supposed to be about. Just the pilot. <laughs> Cause the series, so the whole series itself is like, I think it's a little too much to cover. And I was like, we can do more later on. Well, yes, please. That I think we're going to have eight episodes of the noir cast with Perry Mason, okay. um, <laughs> which is fine, I guess. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, I figured we would just do the pilot and, you know, move on, but you know, she really liked it that much. So that's cool. Um, I did too. I thought it was great. I, yeah. Um, and I watched it when it originally aired. So, you know, with HBO, you have to wait a week, like traditionally with, with TV shows for the next episode. They don't just dump them like Hulu or Netflix or whatever, which I personally enjoy. And we actually had been doing that with other shows like, uh, Downton Abbey, even though it's ended, you know, a while ago, uh, we would only watch like one episode you know, a night or whatever it was, um, instead of like just binge watching it. Um, and now we're sad it's over, but that was the same thing with Perry Mason. It's like, you know, over the course of eight weeks or whatever it is and it ended and I'm like, damn it. I really hope they pick it up again. They, they <laughs> are there's a lot of people, too, aren't they? They are. are they? Um, unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately though, the, um, the showrunners, um, left Jack Emile and Michael or sorry. Um, no, no, no. They're the new ones. Uh, uh, Roland Jones and Ron Fitzgerald, um, that developed it and wrote it have left the series and I don't know why. Um, but they did leave and they were replaced by Jack Amell and Michael Begler. So hopefully the show itself retains its quality and, and feel unlike, uh, you know, if you watched the walking dead after the first two seasons, that show changed quite a bit. Um, and eventually like, you know, lost its steam with his fans or a large portion of his fans. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen with the show and they, they're able to, you know, carry it on. Um, <clears throat> cause usually that's, that's a bad sign when you lose your showrunners after the first season. Um, there's no telling. It's usually like studio changing things or wanting to reduce the budget or whatever it might be. Who the fuck knows? Creative differences. Sure. 
Oh yes, the age old yeah. creative differences. Yeah. Yeah, so they're I'm fighting sure. to keep something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it is, but we'll we'll figure it out later. I'm sure well after season two comes out. If season two like is you know received well, I'm sure that they're going to continue to to keep whatever that reason was for replacing them. You know, hidden uh, at least for a while. But if it does poorly, I'm sure that will come out pretty pretty quickly. Um, and then the new people are going to be blamed, right? It's usually how it goes. So, anyways, <clears throat> the new Perry Mason uh, is uh, takes place in 1932 in Los Angeles, and it stars Matthew Reyes as Perry Mason, uh, Juliet Rylance as Della Street, uh, who is like his secret uh, um, secretary of his mentor. I guess you would say. No, no, I'd call it a mentor. The guy that's teaching him to be a lawyer, basically. Well, yeah, yeah, right? to be fair. Yeah. And, and that's played by um, E.B. E.B. Jonathan is the is the name of the guy, the character. And it's played by John Lithgow, who I absolutely love. love. I think he's amazing. Yes. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Like I've, I, I just think he's a fantastic actor. Just, I mean, if you've never seen Raising Cain, uh, go watch it. Like everybody that's just, he's just amazing in that. It's a sort of neo-noir murder mystery. Uh, and Carly, if you haven't seen it, you'll love it. It's along the lines of identity. Um, it's just, it's really great. And, and John Lithgow is just amazing. in it. it's like one of the most dark things he's ever done. Oh, I might have to check that out because mm. I really, I love him in anything. Like my, my childhood was him, Third Rock from the Sun, Harry and the Hendersons, mm-hmm. like anything, yeah. even the small little fraction he did in Planet of the Apes just made so, I just think I'd watch him read the bloody phone book. And as soon as he walked yeah. on screen, I thought, oh, boom, we're in for something here. Right. Yeah. No, he's, yeah. he's really fantastic. And I don't think he, I think he's been well respected, but I don't think he ever got his just desserts as an actor. Like I think no, he should I be would far agree. more celebrated. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think, I do um, think he's on, he's not underrated, but at the same time he is. Mm-hmm. He's probably yeah. not underrated to his peers, but generally he's very underrated. Yeah. I, I don't think Hollywood uses him far near enough. <laughs> like, like he needs to, you know, maybe that's his own personal choice. Maybe he just, that's his balance between life and, and work. I don't know. You never know what those sorts of things, but I definitely um, could use more of him in, in my life. I, I think I, I would watch anything that he's in. I think he's amazing. Um, <clears throat> then let's see. Uh, a surprising, I really like this guy. Like I, I don't, I can't recall what else he's been in. I've seen him before, but Shia wing him. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Is that his friend? She, yeah, she. Uh, it's S H E A. Wigham or Wing Wigham, something like that. W H I G H A M. Uh, he plays Pete Strickland, um, and he's his work partner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I think he's fantastic in this show. Like he's got Mason's number, you know, calls bullshit, um, but also is a very very loyal friend even though Perry Mason in this version, like is really great at pushing people away. Um, not purposely just because he's just, you know, he's not, he's not a hundred percent himself, I guess. Um, and so I really, I really, I think they they made a great balance between those two. 
um, characters. Uh, and I can't, I, I really, I'm hoping to see a lot more of him in season two. I really am. Um, <clears throat> cause he's sort of, he's kind of like the, the Scully to the Mulder and X-Files, right? He's like, he's the same version or the same partner, <laughs> uh, in my, my opinion. <clears throat> so, um, Carly, tell me, tell me, I want to, cause I, I've seen this a while ago. Like I saw this over a year ago. Um, tell me what, like when I brought this up, were you excited to check out the series or, or were you sort of like, eh, and then when you saw it, you're like, oh, I love this. Or like, tell, tell me how that went for you. Tell me your experience of being able to watch the pilot. Okay. So I was not excited in the okay. slightest to watch it because I get very annoyed and defensive with remakes, which sometimes okay. is valid and sometimes is not. But in my head, I mm. immediately go, doesn't need to be done. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. But I have to say, like the first, even just the first scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, oh, oh, that's good. Oh my God, I yeah. like this. I really, really like this. Um, and it wasn't because it kind of grips pinch. you with like the cinematography, yes. even like everything. Yeah. It just it looked so good, and it really reminded me of a game that Street plays. I think it's La Noir. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, it's so good! Yeah, La Noir. That, and I used to sit and watch him play it because I really like watching the imagery. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it came on, I thought, "Oh my god, this is this is like that." Yeah, and I I, I really I didn't take you. a lot of notes because. I was just invested in it. And it was quite good because it was actually able to make me forget that it was Perry Mason. Uh-huh. Which it I liked a does. lot. Yeah. I don't know. Um, have you, do you guys know about Morse? Have you, like, do you have Morse on US TV? Yeah. I mean, Inspector yeah, Morse. we pretty much have everything that you guys have out there is on, because we have like um, VOD services like Acorn or things like that, that have pretty much all the British shows. Um, but Detective Morse does does show up quite often on like the popular lists and things like that. So I, have I haven't like, personally watched it yet, but yeah. So it's it's a bit like that. So Morse is very is a very beloved character, a very beloved series. And they did a prequel series called Endeavor. Mm-hmm. Which is Morse in his early years. And it's quite a stark contrast because when you see John Thor as Morse, you know, in his 50s, 60s, 70s, it's very different to seeing him in his 20s when he made mm-hmm. mistakes and was very reckless and didn't really care a lot. I personally sure. think Endeavor is fantastic. And a lot of people have warmed to it now. But that's very much the situation with this Perry Mason. Mm-hmm. People are so used to seeing him in a courtroom doing it this way when you present him as kind of like a bit of a washed up asshole. They're like, what? Mm-hmm. That's not Perry Mason. Yeah, but right. this is how it gets to him. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually quite like that because of my perseverance with the Morse series and Endeavor. So I think I was maybe a bit more open to, okay, well, let's see where this goes. Yeah, because, you know, 20 years ago, everybody was an asshole. You know, they were very different. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it was a harder life from what I can understand, just right off the top. And then 
to, I mean, obviously he's going through a divorce. He's, uh, struggling to make ends meet, uh, his, um, you know, his mentor, so to speak, is throwing him bones, you know, to like give him detective work, but he's not even doing that well himself. You know, he's getting older and obviously they're setting him up to retire or die or whatever it might be. Um, or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, maybe he'll be around for a while, hopefully. But, uh, you know, like you can see the little setups there and, and how this, it's like you, you can see the, what, what they're going to eventually make him into the Perry Mason that we know, but I'm not a hundred percent sure that they're going to make him the exact same Perry Mason. Um, we'll have to see because that will be interesting to me. It'll be interesting where this version ends up in the long run or how long it's even going to take them to end up there. Like how long does he stay a private eye? How long does he, you know, when, when, when does he make that sort of character arc, you know, because that was the one thing in the original Perry Mason show, there's really no character arc. He, he's a lawyer. This is what he does. He solves crimes or in the courtroom sort of thing. And that's it. You know, this Perry Mason is starting from scratch and he's going to have a big arc somewhere. Yeah. See, I really like the idea in the pilot of, of the whole idea of you need to think about your actions and kind of decide what, what you want to do, who you want to be, where you want to put your talents, who you want to fight for. So I really Mm -hmm. like that idea. The only thing that surprised me a little bit was how the age of Perry Mason in the pilot. I would endeavor, uh, oh God, I can't remember the, the, the chap's name who plays him. I think he's probably sitting maybe in his 30s. Mm-hmm. So it's like a 30-year-old a Morse. So you've got a lot of longevity before he becomes the Morse that everybody's familiar with. Mm-hmm. With this, he seemed to be, I personally would probably prefer it if he was a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. Just so that the recklessness, I bought it a little bit more. I got you, yeah. It, yeah, it's. I don't see a lot of long, longevity between him and then the Perry Mason, but like you said, they might not go that route. If they were trying to link it up that way, it doesn't kind of sit quite right. And that's the only part that I would say that I found distracting because my mind started Mm. going, hold on a minute. He's only all like six years. Let me throw this at you and see if, see if you can see this working because I get what you're saying hundred percent and you could be right. Um, I think that a lot of what he does that might be sort of schemey or maybe less than moral. I think what they're trying to do is put it as more of an environmental necessity and making that a mindset because this is sort of what you have to do to survive in that world. Like, cause we're talking in the thirties, a great depression's happening. You know, there's a lot of people out of work doing, you know what I mean? Like you, and, and we're, you're coming off the coattails of like the industrial revolution and things like that. Um, where, you know, life is, was drastically different then than it is now, or even the Perry Mason that we saw in the fifties where, where people are thriving, you know? Um, I think that, um, 
that might be the reason why they're showing him in that way. Not necessarily <clears throat> for that idea of uh, uh, being younger and making mistakes, but rather having to be that type of person in order to survive, like having to be a little more shrewd, a little more uh, less moral in order to just get by. Like some people might not have the choice or the, you know, otherwise you're just going to, you're going to die. You know, you're not going to be able to put food on the table. You're not going to be able to do it. Like that's the way that world worked. And I think going into the forties specifically with corruption and police and all those kinds of things, um, you know, were made it tough. And that's the reason why there was a lot of gangsters that came out of that time period, you know, with prohibition and and all that kind of stuff leading into the forties. Um, I think that might be where they're driving that from a, a little bit more than just being a young person having not figured life out. Um, but I think that's also part of it too, because at this point in his life, he hasn't had, uh, I wouldn't say he hasn't had responsibilities because I mean, obviously he was previously married and just gotten a divorce. And um, I, I think yeah, the family the farm he lives aspect, on. So he didn't, yeah, he didn't really experience those responsibilities because he was away. Exactly. Like during that time, um, he was, you know, away at war. And so he's, he's seeing real, you know, grit and danger and, and gruesomeness really, uh, you know, at that time of where most people, you know, later on in the fifties would be out, you know, driving fast cars and, you know, eating at the, the drive-in hop or going to the drive-in, you know, whatever it is, they'd be out having fun. You know, they'd be uh, James Dean or something, right? Um, as to where even even if he hadn't gone to war, I think life was drastically different at that point in the 30s for, you know, a, a young 20-something than it would have been in the 50s. I think at that point, they're already working hard in their life. They already have like some, you know steel worker job or whatever it might be working in a factory. You know what I mean? Like, I think life in general was just much harder at that time than it was going into, you know, like the fifties or something, which is when the other Perry Mason is coming around. So we still have like 20 years from now or even, even longer, like almost 25 years or so between this version of Mason and uh, the original TV show. So that's a lot of time to come into it. Um, and I think, I think what's going to eventually happen is something dramatic, like very dramatic and personal and close to him is what's going to make that switch for him. Either, either a major massive case he's going to end up being a part of that's going to sort of, uh, readjust his morals or something extremely personal is going to, but I think it's going to get much darker before we ever get to that. But I think 25 years is a good amount of time. You know, um, but we'll see. And I, I told, but I do, I do respect and understand where you're coming from um, with thinking that it, it might have been a, a younger version because that yeah. makes total sense. I think you that's know? why my brain was was fighting initially, and I think perhaps um, that's why some people. I did see some. I had a little bit of. I did a little bit of research after I'd watched the pilot to see how people reacted mm-hmm. to it because I know always when you touch a little sort of beloved character. People are always going to kick off. Always. Sure. And I saw one review that made me laugh, but it was quite accurate. And not in a dig way, because I really loved it. <laughs> but 
but he, I can't remember who the person was, but they said basically everyone plays their roles as if they've been told their salaries will be docked if they let in the slightest trace of humor. <laughs> right. And I thought, you know what? That's quite accurate. Yeah. I would say I would say it's accurate to everybody except for the coroner. Oh my <laughs> god, that was... bought a tie from the coroner. I, 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 I had to pause it because I was laughing my ass off that much. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and it's 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 a scene that I think works so well in this so show good. because talking about his morals, what he's doing, like he's looking for a new tie, but I mean, we're talking in the 30s, he can't afford a tie. No, he's right? just been told to get a tie to dress up. So he's like, right, okay, well, I only know like four people, so I'm going to go and ask this dude. Like, and <laughs> Yeah, and this this is a regular thing for him. This is where he goes to get whatever he does, right? In this corner, does it, whatever. And he's obviously trying to be friends with Mason. And Mason's just like, are you lonely? Nope. Like, what yeah, is going on? <laughs> you know? and, and the coolest thing about this scene is like, going back to like the idea of Mason's morals in the show and how he's different than the Mason we know later on. He keeps seeing the baby covered in the sheet over on another table. And, and you see him like kind of glance at it, like, and you, it's working on him, you know, because you got this curiosity, like, okay, really? There's, there's a dead baby. Like we're seeing him open all these drawers to these men, these people that are probably shitty people or have died of old age or whatever it might be, you know, but then when you see a baby, it's just like, there's, there's no reason for a baby to die. Right. Hopefully it was an accident. Hopefully it was, you know, something else, but he keeps seeing it and it piques his curiosity. And he's just like, so what, what's up with that over there? You know, kind of thing. And I really loved that moment because you see the, the vulnerability or at least the, the sort of, um, the quality of his character sort of comes out of all of that other shit that's going on in his life. And we get to sort of see his curiosity and know that, well, maybe I need to be involved, involved in that, you know? Yeah. It's and that's kind of like what a, happens. Like a sixth sense, but also I love so much when he ha when he goes back to the coroner again. Mm -hmm. And even though the coroner's tried to kind of make a bit of small talk and kind of open himself up to him. And he's like, I just want a tie from a dead man, whatever. And then the next time he sees him, he's having to, you know, pull a thread from a dead baby's eyes. Yeah. And it turns out that the coroner was right when he said like, it's like nothing you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of yeah. have that moment where he's not going to acknowledge that he was right kind of thing. But it's kind of, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like a, just a shared moment. And they're so opposite shared moments. I thought that was just, oh, I really like that. Yeah, no, I agree. Totally agree. Uh, I did want to bring up another thing because you brought up uh, X-Files a few times. We uh, we get a little treat with uh, seeing um, Robert Patrick. Yes. Uh, in, in this episode, which is really cool. I was, I didn't know he was in the show at all when I first watched and I was like, Oh, cool. It's always, I love when like he pops up in a pilot. Cause you know, it's going to be good. If Robert Patrick pops up in a pilot, it's good. Yeah. Right. That's like, he, you know, that was, that's a good choice. It's good to see him and, you know, doing stuff. And, um, and then there's, there's another little small connection here, most likely unintentional, but it's a connection that I like because we're one, we got a connection to the X-Files with Robert Patrick, but then there's this sort of adjacent sort of connection with the eyes being sewn open with this pilot episode of the baby. And then in the pilot episode of millennium, which is also the other Chris Carter show, 
Um, we had the, uh, you know, the serial killers sewing people's eyes and mouths shut. Um, and so that was very reminiscent for me as I'm watching this episode. And it's, it just, because that was one of the most scariest, like things ever to pop up on TV at the time, you know, uh, seeing somebody's eyes and mouth shut that are still alive. <laughs> like, it's just like, whoa, yeah. kind of thing and then at to that have time. The opposite you know? of somebody that's dead and having the eye sewed open. Yeah. 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 So it was it like, if it, as soon as I, it, there was any talk about that, or as soon as you see it, it like, oh man, it's totally reminded me of millennium. Like the darkness of this show, like fits in very well with, with the world of millennium and the darkness of yeah. that show. Yeah. You know, and then and then Robert Patrick showing up, who obviously played in the last several seasons of, of the X-Files was sort of like, you know, it makes me wonder, were they fans of those shows? You know, that kind of thing. And just but that that's where my mind goes. Like it, it, it had a very strong feel to me to Millennium. It's it's a very yeah, different a, show, but that the it darkness had a bit of a Chris that, Carter kind of darkness mm-hmm. vibe running through it. I felt the same as well, which maybe yeah. is why I liked it so much. Right. Right. Or one of the and reasons. it even, yeah. And it even gets into a little bit of religion and, and things like that, uh-huh. which is, yeah. you know, ends up being in the X-Files and Millennium as well. So I, I, if they had told me like this was written by Carter, this was produced by Carter, whatever it might've been, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised at all. Like there's, there's a lot of feeling, uh, you know, similarities to those other shows that he's done. Um, but yeah, uh, so uh, I, I the, since since this is a pilot episode and it's an ongoing story, I don't want to ruin too much of the actual storyline. Don't ruin it, it for I, me. Yeah, I, I really don't, and I don't want to ruin it for you or anybody at home that hasn't seen it. But I just want to. You know, I wanted us to be able to talk about it and, and talk about the connection to noir and uh, the feel and the look and, you know, the actors and the acting quality and all that kind of stuff, because um, I think they did a phenomenal job. I really love the music in the show, too. Yes, um, I don't know yeah. if that stood out for you, but it, yeah, I, I just I really enjoyed it. It's It has that, you know, it's kind of sexy saxophone noir feel to it and uh yeah they they use the music they, uh, have you seen peaky blinders i haven't okay so you need i know to everybody that. loves that show but yeah. i yeah well i love the first two series of the show uh sorry mm-hmm. uh yeah first two but they um do a very good job of setting up the kind of the world it's almost if it was darker it would be film the world but it's not they do a very okay. good job of creating an atmosphere and um instead of they, they they're very good at showing not telling mm, in okay. blinders and they use the music incredibly the the music is like an additional character talking to you and that's one yeah. of the reasons why i like it so much which i think they lost a little bit as they went on but this reminded me very much of that when the music would come in potentially some people will find it distracting but a lot of people will will feel it's kind of almost like a secondary character, like a bit of a mm-hmm. narration through music. And I think that's what they did here. They did that so well. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yep. I think that um, it, it plays a good, a very strong role in, in this show. Um, and I hope that, uh, I hope we get to see 
a lot more of this show, really, if they keep the quality going. I really, I really hope that we get to see more um, of it because it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty solid show. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I didn't, I, I, it blew me away because I was, mm-hmm. didn't have high hopes for it. Um, plus, I'm not being funny. I always love it when you get a detective or a PI or whatever sat on a hardwood mm-hmm. floor surrounded by photos putting evidence together. Right? <laughs> There's I mean, just something about oh, it. <laughs> there is something about that. When you watch a pilot episode or an episode in a TV show, when they sit on the bloody floor, they start spreading uh-huh. evidence around. Oh, heck, we're in for a good show. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love a bit of string. All we need is a bit of string on some pins with some little photo. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right, Carly. Uh, just because we uh, don't want to dig too deep into the, the storyline of the show, you know, because this is a pilot for a TV show, maybe we should start to, we'll give the pilot a rating. What do you think? I concur. Yes. All right. All right. You go first. Uh, Oh, okay. I gotta go first. Okay. So, so for me, um, you know, like I said before, like, I, I really think that this has, um, some really strong ties to like a noir feel. Um, I think with the lead character, even just looking at him, he just looks like he's beaten to death already and he's young. Oh my you God. Know, he's not super a young face. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that, and that's where I sort of, I, I enjoy it being him instead of, Robert Downey Jr. Um, because Robert Downey Jr. to me is just too recognizable. Like you won't never, you'll never be able to get past it's Robert Downey Jr. playing Robert Downey Jr. Cause that's, he's, he's one of those people that you might enjoy his movies that he's in, but he really is kind of the same person and everything except for maybe yeah. Tropical Thunder. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, was, that, that was the one that was very different, <laughs> but uh, you know, for the most part, he's, you know, he's still him even in Sherlock. So I enjoy it being this, you know, Matthew Ray's, which I don't, I don't know him from anything else. Maybe he's been in other stuff. I don't know. This is the only oh, thing yeah, I know appa- Apparently he was in a TV series. I haven't watched it myself. Um, oh God, I'm going to sound so awful because I don't know the name. Something to do with spies. But apparently he was fantastic in that. Absolutely hmm. brilliant. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. But yeah, so I, I really enjoyed the that, and then with the supporting cast, was seeing people like um, John Lithgow um, come in, and even Robert Patrick, you know, adding credibility to the show, and then the filming quality, the music, uh, the just everything about it, the interesting story, the the side cases that he has, um, delving into his own personal issues and past. I, I thought it was all just it's well written, it's well shot, it's well acted. Um, and I, I probably would have expected to give this show like a five, maybe at best when I first went into it. But I mean, having seen it, I, I, I think it's solid. I give this show an absolute 10. I think it's, I think it's well done. And I, I hope that going forward, the next season is just as good. Yeah. But let's see, let's hear you tear it apart. I, do you know what? For once, I'm not going to. Mm. I absolutely agree. And I would give it a 10 out of 10 on what I've seen so far, because I've not seen the whole series, Mm -hmm. but solid pilot episode. I would a hundred percent give that a 10 out of 10. 
Cool. Which like is very it. unusual for me because I am so picky with TV shows. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the patience. You know, when they go, oh, give it a couple of episodes, it gets better. I have no patience. I'm out. Episode two, I'm done. Right, this, yeah, no, I hear you. This, the strength of the pilot episode, even if episode two wasn't that great, I would mm-hmm. still push on to three or four, mm-hmm. which is quite a big deal for me because, like I say, I check out quite easily with TV shows because there's that many. Yeah. Now are you that way more towards American TV or um, any TV? Because um, your guys' shows are generally a lot shorter. So if you invest in yeah. watching like a series for you guys, which is a season for us, um, you know, you might be talking it's like four episodes. Four, four episodes or whatever it yeah. might be. Yeah. So it's a little less of an investment. I think the difference is like, for example, because our networks work, I don't know how you're networks work but our networks are quite different so for example itv which did downton abbey mm-hmm. they either do um tv movies detective tv movies so like frost morse that kind of thing which uh-huh. you tune in for the character midsummer murders you tune in for the characters not necessarily the story or uh-huh. they do sort of two-part three-part dramas like Broadchurch. Okay. So, again, you you there's a lot going on. There's a hell of a lot going on in a in a short space of time. Mm-hmm. Whereas the BBC will take longer. So, for example, Waking the Dead. So it would be more about the characters, not necessarily the story. They all like um, a state of play. So they'll have more of a sort of overarching story that takes a bit longer because you don't care as much about the characters so you need to get invested a bit more okay i see um maybe that's why i don't have as much patience because i'm either tuned in for the characters or i'm tuned in for the story there's kind of no right. in between if that makes okay. sense sure sure With and this, then it's like a it can- nice surprise where it's both right exactly yeah whereas but they get a little bit like the Hallmark Channel, so they do get a little bit paint by numbers. So if you've uh-huh. watched one, you've watched this, the the same kind of five. Um, yeah, I mean that's how I feel about Midsummer. Again, yeah, which is why again you tune in. This is probably again why I watch stuff for actors. Oh, John Sims in this ITV drama, I'll watch it for him. Oh, it's a thriller. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just going to be like the last one he did, but I quite like watching him. So let's see if he does anything right. different. Um, okay. They are pushing the boundaries a bit more with people like Sky doing mm-hmm. six part, eight part, nine part series. But again, it's still very, very close to the same formula that they don't want to change, which is understandable because it works. Right. I think that's yeah, why I, I like this so much because it was such a middle ground tap into the mm-hmm. into both. So I really mm-hmm. like what they were doing with the characters, but it was moving fast enough for me to enjoy the story. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that that's the, you know, like we were talking about earlier where, you know, older shows had a lot of standalone, like this is that type of show where it's not going to have standalones, but um, everything else is so well done that it, it it's okay that they're, they don't have that because, you know, it, it's a high quality show. But what yeah. I think also is nice is that there's kind of, 
this is going to sound really stupid when I say it, but there's kind of standalone moments for the characters. So even mm-hmm. though I'm not getting my standalone episode that I like, that I can dip mm-hmm. into and go, straight watch this. No, 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 you like the Exiles. Just watch this episode. It's funny. <laughs> even though I haven't got that, I've kind of got standalone moments for the characters of being a little bit different than they would. Doing yeah. something a little yeah, bit different cool. than they would normally do. So I'm quite satisfied with those moments. Either mm-hmm. I'm not bored with the pace. Does that kind of right. make sense? It's not. Yeah, it totally does. They're not. They're not a hundred percent just focusing on the main the main storyline. They're they're cutting away and they're showing you know Mason's life with this uh, this woman he's entwined with and his losing his house and you know all that kind of stuff and and yeah and like this, this silly and, stuff with the with the film company when he tries to push them oh, yeah, too yeah. far and then they burn a hole <laughs> in his fucking chest. I mean, FYI, we should totally right. run resurrection films like the mob. <laughs> Anyone that crosses us, we're going to burn a hole in them. Just saying. Yeah, and I hope I, be I really hope that, that they <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yes. I, I really hope that they keep going with the side quests, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like it's not part of the main story, but uh, it'll be nice to to break away from the main story to get stuff like that. You know, ha- him having other cases that he's doing, other things that he's doing, while having to also juggle this other darker stuff. Because I mean, come on, yeah. he's he's taking photos of a uh, a star doing unspeakable things with another star, right? And I mean, it was like it was when I saw it, I was like, oh my god, that's so gross. <laughs> with a bit of a buffet as well. I mean, bloody hell, fire! It's like right. <laughs> but you know what i mean so like there there was some levity there before the mass of darkness you know yeah Um, yeah so if they if they're able to incorporate more of that going forward i think that that's going to be cool i think it'll be just like the game that street is playing la noir where you have a bunch that's a great game you know you got all these little side quests you got your main story you know it's pretty cool um yeah so i think i think i think they have a really strong chance of making this a, a long running series. I don't know if they will because, you know, it's HBO. It might get, if it does well, it might get like eight seasons or something, but who knows? We'll see what happens. So there you have it, folks. That's uh, 10 gens out of 10 gens, 10, 10 gens out of gen. I don't know. How That's to a lot of bloody anymore. gens. <laughs> we both give it 10. <laughs> We hope you guys check it out if you haven't already. Perry Mason uh, came out in uh, July of 2020. Um, the second season hopefully will be out fairly soon. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Maybe I'm wrong with uh, is 20. Let's see. When did when did this, did this come out in 2021? I thought it came out in 2020. Am I, I wrong mean, on this? You're asking me. It's literally come to me in 2022, love. So. <laughs> yeah i can't i don't know i can't remember if it was 2020 or 2021 everything blurs together with all the COVID stuff you know it's it's so crazy i think it was 2020 Time has no meaning out. anymore right 
<laughs> anyway, you guys should check it out. Hopefully the second season will be out fairly soon and we hope you enjoy it as much as we do. And we hope that you guys can uh, make this um, Matta Tuck mystery cocktail <laughs> and uh, tell us what you think about it. All right. <laughs> and like we said before, we're, we're turning the speakeasy into a weekly podcast. So uh, we're going to have episodes out to you every week. And um, hopefully we can, uh, we'll be able to stick to that if we're not too drunk. All right. Yeah. And we could use some suggestions. So maybe people should start tagging us. We're going to run out of blood films. <laughs> no, we're going to run out of drinks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Hold on. Calm down. Priorities. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. He's looking at you, kid. Thanks for joining us this week on the Speakeasy Noircast. Make sure to visit our website, resurrectionfilms.net, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, The Dark Side of Acting Up, and The Dark Side of Acting Up Volume 2, now available on Amazon. Or you can check out one of our films, also available on Amazon Prime. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Speakeasy Noircast.